Hey guys, I wanted to personally do this week's intro to talk about Jake. He is awesome. He's an entrepreneur at heart, and he's got a podcast with a pretty similar message to this one, but it's directed toward working professionals. It's called Tenaciously Human, and you should definitely check it out as soon as you finish this episode. This was a great interview. Jake is a great guy, and he talks a lot about going forward with faith instead of fear and how we can have that faith through like revelation and impressions. So I hope you listen to the end and hope you love this episode. Okay, Brother Loveland, thank you so much for being here with me today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for the invite. Of course. So I, let's start with, with a little bit of an introduction, an introduction about yourself. What, are you, what do you do? Where are you from? Um, your family, all that. Yeah. So I am a husband uh, and I've got a beautiful wife and I've got four and a half kids. Got another one coming here, which is the half child. Um, and then I, yeah, I, I grew up in Oregon, so Northwest loved it there, had a great, great experience growing up there and then moved out to Utah to go to school and haven't left yet. So I've been here a while professionally. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a coach, I'm a leadership mindset, executive coach. Uh, focusing on small business owners and, and helping them to grow so their businesses can grow. And then I also host a podcast as well called Tenaciously Human, which focuses on finding professional success without sacrificing faith and family or, or even empowered by that faith and family, and uh, which is how you and I got connected. So yeah, yeah that's, that's a little bit about me. Man. Okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with a question I'm sure everyone will be wondering, right? Yeah. Why did you stay in Utah? <laughs> no, that, that's a fair question. Um, I, I never thought I would live in Utah ever. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm growing up, like, I, I don't know, for some reason, there's this like inside outside Utah rivalry. Sure. At least there was when I was growing up and, and I, I was just like, oh, I don't want to raise my family there. And, um, and, and the reason I, I raised my family here is, is revelation, right? I mean, I just trusted God that this is where I was supposed to be. And it was never a decision of, Hey, I'm going to be here forever, but it was one step at a time, you know? Um, and for now we're, we're here and I don't have any, you know, further light knowledge as to how long we'll be here, mm -hmm. but we have absolutely loved being here. And that was a big thing that my wife really helped me to realize is that you can love wherever you're at. It's a, it's gotta be a choice though. So yeah, it, originally I never thought I'd be here, but now I, I'm very happy that I'm here. I, I love Utah. A lot of really good people. Man, that's cool. Yeah. I, man, I like Utah. I just, I hate the cold. So like being in Rexburg right now is like, it's hell. I hate, yeah. I hate the cold, man, but it's getting warmer. So it's good. I'm happy, but anyway, oh, I'm with you there. I think <laughs> My definition, like when I think about hell, I don't think about like lava pits. I think exactly. about Rexburg. Yep. <laughs> I think exactly. about just the cold. Like I'm a, I'm a more warm weather guy. Yep. So yeah, you, you might be on it. I don't know the doctrine behind that, but you might be onto something there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm, 
like I like the heat. So hell would, they would have to put me somewhere cold if they wanted me to be unhappy. Right. Anyway. Right. So, okay. So I guess I like that you started with that. You're a husband and a father. I like the four and a half kids thing. That's funny. So um, how did you, how did you meet your wife? Was it in college? Yeah. So that's kind of a crazy long story, but I'll give you a kind of the, the, the died down version, the, the pared down version, but the, what happened was my wife, uh, well, I was doing sales at the time. I, I was going out doing summer sales, the whole door knocking thing. And mm-hmm. which was awesome. I loved that. Did that for a long time. Uh, but I, I went out there one summer I was out in North Carolina. I got in a motorcycle accident and it was devastating. Like I was, I was in bed for two months in the dark, like literally laying in my bed in the dark for two months. Like it was, it was really tough. I had a really bad, essentially concussion that, that got progressively worse and didn't go anywhere for a long time. So it, it cost me a ton of money and a ton of pain. And there was one reason that I know I went through that. And that was because that forced me to go home. So I left early that summer, didn't finish it out, went home. And one of the reasons I feel like I went through that is I couldn't do anything to that summer. So I was just at home and there was this gorgeous little school teacher who was also off for the summer, um, and got to know her really well, um, who ended up being my wife. But the, the first time I asked my wife out, she shut me down hard. Uh, I mean, it wasn't even, so this is back in the flip phone days. I mean, I'm not that old, but I mean, it was, you know, old enough to be flip phones. I remember I asked her out, we were in the store. I said, Hey, I'd love to take you to dinner. Would you like to go to dinner with me? And she pulls out her phone, flips it open. I can still remember that, you know, that flip puts it up to her her ear, calls her, calls her roommate and says, Hey, we have plans for tonight, right? Like, let's make plans for tonight in front of me, like right in front of me, hangs up the phone and says, sorry, I can't, I have plans. And I was just like, Whoa, Dang. This girl is ruthless. Yeah. Just in like the whole thing was just so blatant and in my face. And uh that was the first time I think anyone had, had said no to me on a date. And I was intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> so uh to to pay her back uh for that, I dated all of her roommates. Uh and uh and then a couple of the you know. Not, not seriously, but I took all of her roommates on dates and uh, one of them I did date seriously for a while. And then I dated, you know, one of the girls who lived in the apartment beneath her fairly seriously for a while. And um, after about a year of me dating all of her roommates, uh, she noticed this trend and, and I was seeing it as well that after all of our dates, we would go hang out with each other. So I would drop off her roommates and then hang out with her. Uh, or, you know, you know, uh, drop off, you know, she'd, she'd get dropped off or, or drop somebody off and then she'd come hang out with me. And so after a year, she asked me out and I grabbed my phone and opened it up and no, oh, I, I thought, <laughs> I, uh, I, I said, yes, absolutely. I was like, yeah. you know, let's do this. Um, it was, it was actually a little scary, but yeah, that's, 
uh, I'm really glad that, that we did that. And we had that year of building a really good friendship before we, you know, before we started dating, it was really interesting. Man. Wow. That's a great story. I wish you yeah. would have opened up the phone. That would have made it I know. so I funny. Have. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Hindsight, right. I, uh, I was, I, I was, I was smitten though. I mean, I, yeah. I, I liked her. So. Yeah, for sure. Well, good. I'm glad you like her. <laughs> I, yeah. hope, I'm, I hope you still do. Right. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. We've been married for six years and we have four kids, uh, except in a half and they are very close together. We have a four-year-old, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old. And then wow. here in two, three months, we'll have another. And uh, it is the craziest thing. I don't necessarily recommend it to anybody, mm-hmm. but it has been something that we felt very directed to do. And, and we, we've learned to listen. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's wonderful. Uh, as much as I joke about it, I wouldn't trade any of my kids for anything. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll actually keep all of them, I think for, for eternity. So yeah. pretty great. Well, that's good. Well, okay. So you were, were you at school at BYU? Is that where you were? You I was at BYU. Yeah. And she was, uh, she had graduated. She was teaching at the time, but she still lived, uh, South of campus, um, more close to where I live. So, okay, cool. So what, what did you study? I studied construction management of all things. Okay. Interesting. Uh, really great program, really, really good people in that program. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways I took from it. I don't do anything with construction management now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did property management uh, for a long time. Um, and I've got a couple of, uh, you know, I'll always do it on the side a little bit, right. You know, my own projects and stuff, sure. but not for anybody else. Yeah. But the, the thing that I learned most in that program, I think was just the power of people and the professors in that program did an exceptional job of teaching me the value of people and, and how to lead. And, and, uh, I'm really grateful for that. Wow. And that's cool. So, you feel like, even though it's like not something you're doing now, do you feel like it still has affected like who you are today and what you do now? Yeah. Stuff you learned there. Absolutely. And there came a point in my career, when I say career, my college time, my, my, my time at BYU where I felt like I wasn't going to go into construction management. I did an internship uh, with a great company and at the end of that internship, it was very clear to me, this is not the industry I want to be in, um, which was interesting because I'd done construction my whole life. Yeah. I started doing construction when I was 12 because honestly, because I was big, right? Some guy walked into the ward building was like, hey, you're a big dude. Come help me build my house. And so I did, right? I mean, that, that's how I got into it. Yeah. Um, and my passion though, when even beyond that, I, I loved building things as a kid. You know, I think when I was six or seven, I stopped watching cartoons and started watching like home improvement shows. And I've always loved construction. So when that kind of realization hit me, it was a little bit of a identity crisis, I think. Um, but I, I realized that I, as much as I loved building things, I loved building people even more and building organizations and companies. And so I was gonna switch over to a business major and I took all the prereqs for it and stuff. And I just felt really strongly I was supposed to stay in, in construction management. And 
I think that's kind of the red line that, that ties together my life is just this trust in the Lord and in his direction. And I didn't really understand it at the time. And uh, in some regards, I still don't. I mean, I, I don't use that, but I did learn a lot about people and that, I, that I'm very grateful for. Those relationships and what they taught me about relationships was really powerful. And I, I don't know that I will have the same experience elsewhere. Yeah, that is cool. It, not to like totally change direction, but from one of the things that you were saying, something that I've really noticed with the people that I've interviewed and um, I was at the temple yesterday and I was feeling the same thing. Like we are the children of God and he is a creator, right? Yeah. And so that makes us creators, right? That's naturally, we want to create things. And so all of these people that I've interviewed that are really seeing prosperity in their lives have this pattern of, of course, faith, right? But also like creativity, I guess you could call it, but wanting to make things and build things and create things because that's how we add value to the world and how we want to like be like our father. Yeah, I definitely see that correlation. There is, I see him as a creator, my heavenly father. And I believe that is what he put me on earth to do was to create. In fact, all of us are on this earth to create. And the way we do that is going to be very different, right? From my point of view, that is, you know, entrepreneurship and coaching and leadership and and those sort of things. For others, it it could be a nine to five job and they're creating value in that space. Right. You know, I I don't, you know, why that's not a fit for me. I, I don't look down on that, right? That those, there are so many different ways to add value and to create in this world. But I I think you're absolutely right is when we figure out what we're put on this earth to create, that's when we find prosperity um, from, from my perspective. Yeah. So walk me through a little bit of your journey from, from there with your construction management stuff to now, right. Where you're not really doing that. How did that happen? How did you create that? Yeah. So it was this combination, it was this combination of faith and trial and error. Hmm. Um, I was doing summer sales at the time, right? And so inherently it's, it's during the summer and then I've got nine months off, eight, nine months. Right. And during those eight, nine months, I was trying a bunch of different things and I did anything and everything you can imagine, um, within the business world. Uh, you know, if it was legal, ethical, moral, I was, I was going to try it. Yeah. Uh, I tried HR. I tried, you know, I I worked in HR for a while. I worked in customer service. I did product development. I did uh, supply chain, human resources. Well, I already mentioned that, you know, I just did everything like all these different jobs in between the summers, but it would always feel like it wasn't the right fit for me. So I would go back to the summers to get some cash flow uh, and kind of reset. And then in the fall, try and find something else. Mm -hmm. And so it was this trial and error of And also at the same time, this incredible management experience, because I was learning about every different aspect of business. And some of them were kind of consultant type roles where I was putting to fix something, for example, a customer service team uh, or something like that. And others were, you know, I was, you know, just put into the ranks and, and tried to learn from that point of view as well. And the thing that was consistent through all of that was just faith. 
you know, I would be in there. I'd say, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. I'm going to try this out. And after a couple of months, I would start to get this feeling that it wasn't the right place for me and that the Lord had a, had a reason for it, but that it wasn't the right place. So I was actually getting kind of frustrated if I'm being honest, um, because I was getting, you know, old in my point of view, I was 26, 27. And I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. And I tried, I felt like everything. And that was, it was a hard time for me because, you know, I looked at, you know, my best friend to give you kind of a, a juxtaposition, my best friend growing up knew what he was going to do like since childbirth, basically. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. And so he had this plan that he followed to a T and he's been following it ever since. And it's just very clear path for him. My path is like, you know, his is a straight and narrow path. Mine is like a roller coaster from hell or something like that. Like it, it, just, <laughs> it feels crazy. Yeah. Um, but I've done my best to be directed by the Lord. And for me, a big part of that was trial and error. Um, I, I found something that looked interesting to me. I asked the Lord, should I do this? And, and sometimes it was a solid yes. Sometimes it was a, you decide. I'd give it a shot. And then after some time there, I'd get some, you know, a little bit more light, a little bit more knowledge, and I'd know what to do next. And for me, a lot of times that was, okay, move on. And that was really, it was really hard for a while, but I, I did trust the Lord and I kept moving forward. And then two years ago, I found the position, um, that felt perfect for me. I, I came into this door-to-door -door company. I had a decade of door-to-door -door experience or eight years at that point. Yeah. And their systems were somewhat, you know, their, their customer service systems were really great. They didn't have a lot of systems well put together on the sales side and their HR needed work. And, um, you know, some of these other things, just like any business, you know, they had problems to sure. fix. But as I looked back on the previous six years, it had perfectly set me up. Those jobs I did in between summer sales perfectly set me up to help that business exactly where it was. Wow. And so I quickly moved out to that company. Uh, I started as the head of training and development. And then at the end of the two years, I was the chief revenue officer of this company and, and I was loving it. It was, it was really a great experience for me. And then I got that nudge again, that prompting of, hold on a second. I know you like it here. And like financially, if I was just going for the money, it made absolutely no sense to leave because financially I was in a great position there yeah. set up to make really good money. Company is going really well, going in great places. There's a lot of upsides, but I just didn't feel right about it. And I felt this calling to help people on the leadership side of things. And now, as I look back at my life, I have been perfectly groomed for the position that I'm in right now. Now I am a leadership and small business coach, right? I have done everything within the business realm, pretty much. I've also been an executive at a fairly large, you know, multi-million dollar company. I have this vast experience in all these different areas, and I've got the the training and the knowledge on the coaching side. So it's it's like this perfect marriage. I I feel like the Lord planned it this way. Well, he did. I feel like he did. But if it was up to me, there's no way I would have planned it that way. Cause it was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. But 
um, yeah, it, it, it kind of put me in this position to, you know, when I felt that, that, that time to move, um, it was, it was a little sudden, but I, I just felt like this is where the Lord wanted me to be was, was helping small business owners. So I can imagine that making a change like that would be scary, right? So yeah. with that, with that fear, because that's natural, you're going to have that fear. How do you feel like you got past that? Yeah. There. I mean, it's a great question, right? How do you have more faith, right? That's yeah. essentially what you're asking. And it is not easy. Um, and it takes, it takes practice. So one of the things I would encourage people to do if they're trying to increase their faith in, in promptings, for example, trusting those promptings that are scary uh, is just to ask the Lord for small promptings, you know, tell him, Hey, I want to learn how to be better at promptings. You know, is there a small prompting you can give me today that I can, I can, I can listen to and, and, and kind of see the result of. And sometimes you see the results, sometimes you don't, but just start small, right? It doesn't have to be, if you start making decisions of, okay, this is a career decision where I'm going to leave an industry I've known for 10 years and go to something I've never done before. If I, in that moment was trying to have enough faith to do that, there's no way. But because I've been building it up over time and building that relationship with the Lord, um, it, it just made sense. You know, it was, it was something that my wife and I talked about. It was very sudden. I had this feeling that I was supposed to leave. Um, I just, you know, they they were talking about bringing me on as a partner, right? Things were going really well. And I just felt like I was supposed to leave. And I had this conversation with my, with one of the, the my bosses over there and really great guy, really great conversation. I was really excited. As soon as I hit, as I hung up, it hit me. It's time to leave. And I was like, what? This conversation just told me the opposite. Oh. So I go home. I talked to my wife. I had my brother and my father come over. Luckily they, they live close and I asked them to come give me a blessing. And I remember I was literally laying on the floor afterwards of my office uh, in my house, just stressed about what I was going to do and asked my, my wife, you know, I, I feel like I should do this, but it doesn't make sense. And her response was so beautiful. And that's essentially, you know, we've trusted the Lord this far. Let's, let's, let's trust him again. Let's see what he's got in store for us. And, you know, quitting a high earning job with high potential to start your own business that you know nothing about, um, is, is a scary thing. Like, I mean, I know a lot about like, I know how to coach people. I'm very right. good at that. How do I run a coaching business? No idea. Like totally foreign to me. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was a really an eye opening experience, but that conversation with my wife and uh, the feeling that I got from heavenly father in that moment of, yeah, let's, let's do this. And so I quit the next day. Wow. I, I, I called everybody and said, Hey, um, you know, I mean, at that point, you know, I was a C-level position. I didn't want it to disrupt the company. 
So I told him, you know, I can give you 30 days notice uh, if you need. Uh, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to help this transition because I know it's sudden and I know it's going to affect everybody in the company. And we all thought about it over the weekend. They came back and and because of where I was at in my projects and everything else like that, it felt like a, a pretty good time to um, extend it, you know, to, to just uh, make that change. And um, it just felt like the right time to leave. So I ended up leaving the next day. Wow. And, uh, and calling it. So, man. So, honestly, interestingly, it seems like to me, based on the little bit that I know of your story from what you've told me, you did all these, you had this really long trial and error kind of period where you're like, uh, I like sales, but it's not like my goal to be a salesman, right? right? You're like, all right, this is just kind of the path. And taking these jobs, trying to figure out what feels right. And then you found that job and it did feel right. Right. So Mm -hmm. I can imagine at that point that did strengthen your faith, right? Mm -hmm. That God had a point in all of it. And so knowing that you were kind of in a weird way, knowing that you were where you were supposed to be, but then you had to like leave to go where then you were supposed to be. I, I don't know how to put that right, but your faith had already been increased. And so what I'm yeah. trying to say is God is actively giving us opportunities to grow our faith, right? Yeah. Especially if we ask for them, like you said. Yeah, he, he really is. I think one of the things that's really helped to strengthen my faith, and obviously I, I don't have a perfect faith, right? I, I don't mean sure. to to say that I'm, I'm some sort of faith guru, uh, you know, within... I, I, but I, it's, it's intentional. I have mm-hmm. I've tried to build this faith in my life. And one of the things that has helped me is looking back at my life. We often, you know, take these moments of trusting the Lord and we're not going to see the result for a long time. So when we think back in our life of, hey, when, when did I take a prompting that I didn't understand and how did it help me? So an example of that for me is looking back uh at the end of my mission. Um, so before my mission, I was, uh, I wanted to play football for BYU. I was like my lifelong dream. Um, you know, I was going to be a defensive end and I walked onto the team uh, and then ended up gray shirting that year. And then the plan was when I got back from my mission to jump back into football. And I felt like the Lord was lining this up perfectly. My last companion was just coming off of it was his first transfer and he had just come off of a football season for uh, the university he was playing at. So I was like, I've got this football player companion who is, you know, in, in great shape and is, is willing to help me get in shape. And so we, we worked really hard on the workout side of things. It just felt like it was the Lord lining it up for me. And then in my exit interview with my mission president, he's saying, I think you should pursue football. Like this is something you're supposed to do. And then I get home from my mission and two, three days later, I'm in the temple with my parents on a, on a Saturday morning. And I just get this really strong feeling. Don't, don't do football. Don't do it. And that, that was like one of the hardest things for me to, that was one of the hardest decisions for me to make, because in my mind, that was 
such a huge part of my identity was a football player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm a BYU football player. Like this means something like that's what I wanted to be able to say. And, and I wanted that feeling. And, and I, I just felt like it wasn't right. And so I decided not to do it. And so, you know, I, I, I didn't, you know, get a Heisman or, you know, anything like that, obviously, and didn't play football. Didn't. So that obviously was an impact, but in looking back on it, that's exactly how I got to where I was at, right? If I had done football, they work out extensively during the summer. So I would not have been able to do summer sales and summer sales is what allowed me to buy my first house and my first house, which again, I felt very direct to buy that house, that specific one, put me in the same ward as my wife. Right. And so, and, and then also summer sales also put me on this trajectory to where I am now. Yeah. But if I hadn't left football, I wouldn't have bought that house. I wouldn't have met my wife and I wouldn't be in the position I'm at. And so looking back, like that's, that's a really faith building experience for me to look back and see how the Lord has directed me because on a day-to-day basis, I don't, I don't feel the Lord guiding me every step of the way, right? There are sometimes months where I'll go with just doing my best and not receiving any direct revelation. And that's okay. That's, that's part of life. A big part of life is experiencing it. Mm -hmm. And so I just, yeah, I really like to look back on those moments and see how the Lord has directed me because I know when it's important, uh, when it's essential that he needs to step in and, and guide me, he will. And I know that as I listen, it, it will be for my good, even if it's a long time down the road that I see that. Wow. That's really interesting. It reminds me of uh, a story that a guy told me in, in my like first podcast interview. He uh, he kind of had the same experience, right? He, but his was basketball, but he was like, well, I can't do it. And he like dropped off immediately. And it's so interesting how that, how that happens to, to people. God kind of just, there are times when he's just, all right, like keep going, keep doing what you're doing. And I'm here. Like it, it kind of feels like, all right, God's just letting me kind of cruise. Right. Yeah. And then other times he comes in and he's like, all right, stop everything that you're doing immediately change everything. And you're like, dude, what? like we couldn't have eased into this. Like, <laughs> yeah. So oh yeah. There, there. So with this house that I bought, I yeah. kind of reference there, I, I put what's called earnest money down on this house, mm-hmm. on this first house. And I was like, Hey, this is a good fit. Makes sense. It's, you know, financially it, it, it lines up. It's a good house. Um, and then I saw this other house come on the market and I was like, well, let's put an offer on that one as well. And so we, I kind of had these both, both these houses under, um, under contract. And I was trying to decide between the two of them. And I felt like I was going to go one direction, you know, with the, with what it was a triplex it was, there's a three units there. Yeah. And then, then the other one was a duplex and I, I wanted the triplex. It had more money in it, right? It was yeah, more cash flow. Yeah. And I, I just felt like I needed to back out of it. And by the time I got that revelation, it was, it was, I had already lost that earnest money. I was going to lose thousands of dollars if I didn't buy that house. And I went with this other one. 
And if you want to test your faith, like put a, put a money sign on it. Right. Yeah. It was so hard, but, um, that house, they were actually on opposite sides of the, of the same street, um, which is really interesting. But the house that I ended up buying was in the ward of my wife and not only in her ward, but in her FHE group, which was geographic as well. Right. And, th- and that's how I met her. Mm-hmm. And so it was so frustrating to me in the moment. I was like, why didn't you tell me this earlier? I should save me thousands of dollars. Right. But at the same time, it was, it was a moment, you know, I, I don't want to say like a, an Abrahamic test, right? I didn't have to sacrifice my son, Yeah. but it was, it was painful for me. It was like, how yeah. much do you trust the Lord? And yeah, it's, there, there are times like that where I'm, I'm really grateful I did, but in the moment it, it did not seem like a smart decision. Yeah. It's like, wow, why couldn't you have like eased me into like giving me yeah. a little bit of warning? Yeah. You told me this a week earlier, point, you know, exactly. Right? But it seems like that was the point though. He's yeah. like, well, if I did that, you wouldn't have to sacrifice the money, right? You, there would be no like real faith involved. And so that's kind of, that's a cool story. I like that. It, it illustrates a bigger principle, right? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, so really quick, I was just curious about your mission. Like, where did you serve and, and what, like, what do you feel like you learned from that, that you're still applying now? Uh, wow. <laughs> uh, I learned a lot. So I served my mission in, in Brazil, in Sao Paulo. And I learned so much from the people there. And that, I mean, there are so many wonderful people there that I still think about and, and had a huge impact on my life. And then the culture as a whole has had a big impact on my life. You know, they are very uh, affectionate people, right? They, they love, I remember walking in and trying to shake some guy's hand and he like swatted it out of the way and gave me like this huge bear hug. And I was like, I don't even know what language people are speaking right now. Like, why are you hugging me? Right. Yeah. And they're just very, affectionate and loving in that way, very accepting. And I would really appreciate that. The missionaries and the leaders I had in my life were really, really powerful, had a big impact on it. And um, also helped me to realize a lot of the choice that I have in my life. So I had a lot of companions Um, at the time the mission that I was in was geographically the smallest in the world outside of temple square. I don't know if that's still the case, but it was incredibly small. You could drive across the whole mission in like an hour and a half. Um, so pretty much from any point, like, I mean, it was really small and there was yeah. 10 million people in it or something. I, I don't know. It was, it was huge. Yeah. Really densely populated area. And so because it was so small geographically, transfers were really easy. And for whatever reason, I was transferred a lot, either me or my companion was transferred almost every transfer. I had 16 transfers in Brazil. I had 13 companions and every single time I either got a new companion or a new area or both. Um, so a lot of change. Right. And I remember this one time, it just hit me. I was getting this new companion and I was like, I don't know anything about this guy. I mean, I've, I've heard about him. Um, am I going to like him? Am I not? Is he going to like me? All these thoughts. And I just decided, no, I'm going to love this guy. I am literally going to love him. And so 
the first thing I did when I saw him, I'd recognize him. I'd never spoken to him before. I went up to him in Brazilian style. I gave him a big abraço. I gave him a big hug yep. and said, I love you. I love you, Elder. I'm really excited to serve with you. And that was a really powerful moment for our companionship, I think, but especially for me, just to realize love is a choice. I can love someone if I choose to. And that's, that's impacted my whole life. I think of, I can love anybody if I want to, and I should, because it's a commitment. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's one of the lessons I learned from, from my mission. Yeah. Uh, I think I mean, there's a lot more, but that, that of course one that stands yeah. out. I think love is like, I don't know. I feel like it's a common lesson from missions. I don't know. Like everybody learns it in a different way, but love is like, you learn to love people on your mission, at least a little better than you did before. Right. That's, sure. how, that's how my experience was. I'm still learning. I'm still, still getting yeah. there. All of us are for sure. Right. But that's cool. How's your Portuguese? That's pretty good still. Uh, luckily, yeah. luckily I've got a bunch of, um, companions that still speak it. And yeah. I had roommates that spoke it up until I was married. I always had a Portuguese speaking roommate, not intentionally, but that was wow. a nice, uh, benefit. And, um, and then neighbors, um, yeah. friends, you know, I, we managed a, a complex for a while and, and some of the tenants were Brazilian. Yeah. And so I'd always speak to them in Portuguese and that was of really course. good for me. So, Same. uh, I've, I've been able to keep it up. It's not, not mission fluent, of like course. it was, but it can't be right. But. Still stable to keep it up. So I'm actually giving a a presentation in in Portuguese, uh, a professional one on on small business coaching and stuff here wow. in a couple of weeks or so. So I'm I'm excited about that. Hey, that would be awesome, man. That's that's gonna stretch me. Uh, that's a whole different language. You right. Know, that's that's not the gospel. But you need your business vocabulary for that one, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Well. Okay. So I just have. Like, I, I really wanted to talk about your missions just because I think missions are fun. But um, they are moving on to, to one more question. Looking back on, on your own life and where you were at and how all of that went after your mission, it seems like kind of a crazy ride, right? It, you were kind of directed in, I don't know, it seems like a cra crazy time in your life. Yeah. And so what advice would you give to someone who, who's experiencing similar things? So there, there's kind of two ways that, I guess, two reactions I imagine to my story. One of them is exactly what you said. What do I do if I'm on the same boat, right? Mm -hmm. The short answer there is hold on tight. It's going to be yeah. crazy. Right. Uh, the other question I get is what if I'm not getting that revelation, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I've, I've talked a lot about the moments that I've received that revelation and trusting the Lord, even though it was hard. Um, but there was also a lot of times where I, I didn't have the revelation that I expected, you know, and there's, I think it's a Bednar talk an elder Bednar talk who, who mentioned um, the different ways the Lord speaks to us, right? There's a yes, a no, and then a, you decide basically mm -hmm. I trust you. And that was the answer I got a lot of times, but in both situations, I think the answer to me, I guess the advice I would give is, is seek feedback, seek information, inspiration, hmm. and then do, do your part, right? Trial and error has been a huge part of my story. And 
at first I thought, well, if I was really good at receiving inspiration, I would know like my best friend did from childbirth, what I'm going to do with my life and follow that career with vigor. But that's not the way the Lord works. It's going to be different for everyone. And that is, that's okay. That's the first thing you need to know is that your story is going to be different than mine. And you are going to get married at a different age than I will. I was 25, 26 when I got married. And I felt like I was going to get, I thought I was going to get married. Like the month I got back from my mission, right. I didn't even know who to, <laughs> but I felt like yeah. that was when it was going to happen, you know, mm-hmm. but the, everyone's got a different story and try not to compare your story to others, but compare your story to the story that God wants your story to be. Right. And, and just looking at, at God as a, as a friend and as a mentor talking to him and, and figuring out what, what he wants you to do. And then if you have revelation, follow it, even if it's scary. And if you don't have revelation, take your best guess and move. I think the biggest thing we can, the biggest mistake we make in life is by not taking action. And I I think the story that stands out really the best to me for that is one that elder Holland shared about the, the wrong turn, I think is what it's called or something like that, where he was trying to find his way back and he felt prompted to take a right turn. He went down there and very quickly figured out it was the wrong way. So then he went back the other direction. Uh, and, and so the reason he felt prompted to take that turn was so that he knew it wasn't the right one and he could be all in on the other one. Like that's, that's my life in a nutshell is, is that, that example. Um, so yeah, I, if I was to sum it all up, I would just say, look for inspiration and try to build that relationship with the heavenly father. If you don't have it, talk to him about it. I'm a little unorthodox in that way. Maybe I'm, I'm very blunt in my prayers with my heaven uh, and by blunt, I mean, honest, still respectful, but honest and just say, look, I don't get this. I want to be good at receiving revelation and I'm not right. I'm I'm terrified every time I get a prompting that I'm going to do something wrong. I used to get anxiety attacks when I got promptings and, uh, because it was scary. And I just told him that and said, I want to work through this. Give me something easy. Give me something that I can do. Give me a prompting to pick something up off the street and throw it away or give me a prompting, you know, something simple. And then just, just building that relationship with God, meaning the relationship is with him, but he is going to help you to build that relationship with him. And, and what a gift, what a gift. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I really like that idea of like, I feel like if prayer isn't super honest, kind of like, what's the point? You know what I mean? Like, obviously we want to talk to God, but he wants us to be honest with him because he knows how you feel. So you might as well just tell him. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think we get into that and it's hard to tell what people's personal prayers are. Right. But we only sure. hear the the pulpit prayers and they're very formal and they're very, they're not often very specific or, or, or honest. And that is the power of prayer is being specific and honest hmm. and just telling God, look, I don't, I don't want to talk to you right now. I'm mad at you. And here's why. 
And for me, sometimes that's the whole prayer is just say, Hey, I'm, I'm really angry with you because you told me to do this. And this has been the consequence. And then I, I hang up quote unquote, right. You know, and, and then I call them back later and say, <laughs> what do I do now? You know, what, what's the next step? So yeah, it's, it's all about small and, and, and I think the last thing I would, I would leave people with is the hymn lead kindly light is incredibly inspired. And it, there's this phrase in there. That's one step enough for me, right? I don't know what I'm going to do in the future, right? I'm a coach, right? I'm always talking about visions and, you know, having a vision and, and working towards your goals and stuff like that. And that's right. very important, but there are so many times in my life where I can only see the step in front of me and that is okay. There, that is okay. Take that step, do your best, take that step, see what's next. Thanks for listening to Faith, Hope, and Prosperity, hosted by Austin Green. Find and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and wherever you listen to your podcasts.